0: Welcome to the Marketing That Generates podcast hosted by yours truly, Lauren Powell. For over a decade, I've partnered with business owners around the globe to create and implement their digital marketing strategy. Working together with their teams, we generate more leads, more customers, and more revenue. I'm here to make your business growth simpler by making online marketing simpler. Every week, I'll be interviewing other business owners about the strategies that are keeping their marketing relevant in the long term, so they're not hammered by monthly algorithm adjustments. So are you ready to generate more leads, better leads, and more sales-ready leads online while making the most of your oh-so-valuable time? Then this is the podcast for you. Are you tired of being promised the magic pill that's going to solve all your online marketing challenges? Well, this podcast does not promise quick overnight fixes, nor a one-size-fits-all marketing formula. Instead, it will empower you to think differently and more strategically about your marketing so that you get better results. So whether you're a business owner, solopreneur, or an aspiring entrepreneur, listen in and subscribe for zero fluff and actionable takeaways. And for bonus resources, go to marketingthatgenerates.com. In our current podcast series, I interview the owners of four very different wellness businesses, and we dive deep into their marketing. Today's episode is the fourth and final of that series. And I interview Campbell Will, a physical therapist and the founder of Breath Body Therapy. Campbell, in this episode, shares his very unique service, helping patients breathe optimally so they can improve their health and well-being. Now, this episode was especially fun for me because I've taken some of Campbell's incredible breathwork classes and seen some amazing results on the back end of what I've learned from him. So getting to pick his brain and geek out on both the science and the art of respiration was a real treat for me. Campbell, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining.
1: I'm very happy to be here. I always love the opportunity to to dive into this topic, which means so much to me.
0: Yeah, I think this topic of breathwork is fascinating. And maybe we could just get started by giving you the space to explain a little bit what breathwork is and how it works for anyone who may not be super familiar with this very powerful practice
1: yeah for sure and it's it's actually a really good question because i think there's a lot of misconception about what breath work is the kind of popularized version is kind of a a conscious changing of your breath for a specific outcome Um, so i might breathe in a certain way to change the way i feel but to me the the real power of breath work is having this understanding of your breath that's happening all the time right most people breathe on average about twenty five thousand times a day So breathwork to me is kind of this tool for self-regulation, if you will, right? If I'm feeling stressed in the moment, what can I do with my breathing to calm myself down? If I'm feeling really tired or lethargic, what can I do to lift myself up? So instead of thinking of it as this kind of separate practice that perhaps we only do with music or with the candles lit, it can really be seen as just my understanding of this tool that's available to us in every moment of the day that doesn't require any equipment, that's free and that's instantaneous in its effect. So I really like to just think of breath work as how am I breathing based on the situation that I'm in? And can I change my breathing to change the way that I'm feeling?
0: I think that's a really great explanation that helps me also wrap my mind around breath work because... I do think you see it a lot right now in, in that setting that, uh, you share like music and candles and this like special ritual around it, which I'm, I'm sure has its place. But what strikes me about, especially your bio, you talked about human optimization. And I think about the definition you just shared of breath work and how you can use that to kind of optimize your human experience in whatever situation you're in.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and don't get me wrong, the, the conscious form of breath work that a lot of people have practiced, I'm a huge proponent of and I love and I use it all of the time and I teach it all of the time. But I think kind of extrapolating that tool into our day-to-day is so much more beneficial for people. Because like I said, we're, we're breathing all of the time. So instead of kind of waiting for the end of the day before I do a practice, it's like, how can I integrate that into my day-to-day, my moment-to-moment? Um, because that's really how we can kind of take a little bit more control over the way that we're feeling.
0: Yeah. So I'd love to dive, if you don't mind, a little bit into the science of how uh, optimal respiration or a lack thereof does affect your physical and emotional and mental health and wellness.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, That's definitely kind of the area that I'm most passionate about because, I mean, my background as a physical therapist, I'm a very objective-minded person. And so For me, when I first started to get into breathwork, I really wanted to understand the kind of underlying mechanism. Well, how does this work, right? How does it make someone feel different? And so I really like to look through three lenses when we're talking about breathing. The first being biomechanics, which is just a fancy way of saying like, what part of my body is working, right? We have the diaphragm, which is arguably the most important kind of respiratory muscle that we have. And its job is to kind of, draw the air down into the lower part of the lungs. And that's important because that's where all of the blood flow is. And that's where all of the kind of calming branches of the nervous system reside. Opposing to that, if people kind of breathe up into the top of their chest, which is a really common pattern, we stimulate the more active part of the nervous system and we're much less efficient. So in terms of biomechanics, when we look at what is good breathing and what is optimal breathing, we really want it to be caused by the diaphragm, right? This muscle in the middle of our body that pulls down and draws the air in, rather than up into the chest and the shoulders, which we see a lot. The second lens I really like to look through is kind of like chemistry. We understand that breathing is really important. It keeps us alive, but it's got so many secondary and tertiary roles, one of which is kind of keeping the chemistry of your blood in the right kind of balance. Um, so we breathe in oxygen and we breathe out carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide in particular is acidic, right? It's carbonic acid when it's in our blood. So the amount of carbon dioxide that's in my body, in my blood is really important. And that does things such as relaxes your blood vessels. It can trigger certain responses from your brain. So when we're breathing quickly or slowly, we're actually changing the chemistry of our blood. And if we can understand how that works it really becomes a useful tool for things like performance and recovery, but also things like sleep and relaxation. And then the third and final lens, which is probably my favorite, is the nervous system, right? The autonomic nervous system. Most people will have heard of the fight or flight response and perhaps the rest and digest response. So these two things are referring to kind of opposing branches of our nervous system. And we can think of the nervous system kind of like director of the body or the conductor of the orchestra, right? It's dictating should my heart beat faster or slower? Should I increase or decrease my blood pressure? Should I be directing blood flow to my digestive organs or out to my muscles? And one of the things that really heavily influences the nervous system is how I'm breathing. So again, having that understanding of what is my breath doing to my nervous system, to my physiology, and to my body really helps us understand why this thing is so, so important and why I invite people to kind of take a little bit of a deeper look at how their breathing perhaps is affecting their day-to-day experience.
0: I find everything you shared really fascinating, Campbell, and I, I especially appreciate your kind of scientific lens on everything and how you broke that down into three different lenses. I think, at least for me, when I was first exposed to breath work, I don't know when I, I considered it a little more um, woo woo and not based in science. And, and, and that <laughs> said something about me that I made that judgment, but I really appreciate being able to understand how powerful this tool is and what it affects and how, how you can really make some significant changes. And as you mentioned earlier with something that you already have at your disposal, it doesn't cost you anything. You always carry it with you. Um, I just think it's a really, great way for anyone who's listening to this podcast who may not have considered, oh, I want to optimize my health or optimize my wellness or work through some situation that I'm going through. Have I explored this path as, I don't know, a healing or um, health tool in my back pocket?
1: Exactly right. And, and look, I, I came at it from the exact same way. I, when I first kind of encountered quote unquote breath work right outside of the clinical setting in which I used respiration. I thought it was super woo-woo as well. And part of it is, right? And I always like to explain like breathwork is an art and a science. And, mm-hmm. and I think if we can keep one foot in both parties, then we get the best of both worlds. But just from my understanding and the way I like to teach, I dove more into the kind of scientific aspect. And I found just over the years, right? If you can explain the physiology or the nervous system or, or the way that the body's working to someone then they've got this kind of internal motivation to continue to use that tool, right? The difference between me saying, hey, just go and do this breathing technique because versus this breathing technique is going to help you do X, Y, and Z. It allows that person to be a bit more empowered as to why they might want to develop a daily practice and the benefits that come with that.
0: I love that. It's uh, the difference between buy-in and empowerment versus, you know, someone just dictating, hey, go do this and really not understanding the point of it or why it's important.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And that really just came from like my work as a physical therapist. I, I used to recognize like if I just told one of my patients, hey, go and do this exercise, I'd have pretty limited success. But if I explained the reason I want you to do this exercise is going to help create strength here and create mobility here. And that's going to help you get rid of your pain and be able to play with your kids again. Right. That is so much more empowering. They're like, Oh, I, I am going to go and do those exercises, not because you told me to, but because I understand the benefits that come with it.
0: And they want that outcome at the back end, being able to play with their kids again.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned, a, um, for example, a common thing you see, which is, you know, breathing in the diaphragm versus breathing kind of in your chest. Um, But I guess I'd love to hear a little bit more about what kind of symptoms or challenges you see people without optimal breathing, how that affects them in the day-to-day, maybe in ways that they don't even consider or wouldn't even know because they haven't tied the two together.
1: Yeah, that's such a good question, Lauren. And, And the real interesting but also tricky thing about breathing is most symptoms of dysfunctional breathing are not breathing related. So people might be thinking, well, I don't have any problem breathing. This isn't relevant to me. But the vast majority of my clients, right, aren't coming to me saying there's a problem with my breathing, right? They're coming to me saying, I'm anxious all of the time. My sleep's really disrupted. I don't have any energy. I've got brain fog, right? The real kind of tricky part is breathing is this kind of root cause, right? It's essentially how you produce energy in your body. It's how you deliver nutrients. It's how you remove waste products. So when breathing gets a little bit off, we start to see a different system usually downstream that we start to perhaps see some dysfunction. The most common thing that I've found breathing to be so effective for is anxiety. And that perhaps is part of the last two years that we've all experienced. I also just think that the way that the world is, and if we understand how the nervous system works, right? we're just bombarded with more and more little stressful things and stimulus all of the time. And our breathing changes in response to that. And then we start to to feel that the system doesn't keep up. And so the most common things I see are anxiety, stress, and sleep disorders.
0: I know about (laughs) 80% of the people I know who have one or... all of those things. And I think especially in the last two years, even if you weren't struggling with any of those things, there's some level of just constant anxiety that exists right now, right? So even to your point, if you're thinking, hey, I don't struggle with my breathing, I think it's worth exploring this path and giving it a try. If you're looking for, hey, how can I just bring some extra calm into my day?
1: Exactly. And, and we're seeing some really beautiful research now coming out. And that's why I'm, I'm so excited by there's this kind of explosion in the last year or so of, of interest and popularity around breath work. And the good thing that happens with that is we then get people doing research. And there's current estimates of people with generalized anxiety. 75% of them have dysfunctional breathing. But when I talk to people with anxiety and I ask them about their breathing, they don't identify that they've got dysfunctional breathing. Right. I think it's super interesting because none of us were ever taught what good breathing is and what bad breathing is, right? We just kind of like learned it on the fly. But we were taught how to drive and how to read and write and use a computer and all these things. But we weren't taught how to breathe. And I know that sometimes sounds a little bit funny because people think, well, I'm breathing all the time. Like, what do I need to learn? But the same way we can pick up poor postural habits or bad movement habits or bad behaviors, we can pick up bad breathing habits. The difference being they affect every other system in the body. So even if, like you said, if people aren't identifying, oh, I don't have a problem with my breathing. Well, if you do have other problems, perhaps upstream of that, there is a little bit of an issue with the breathing. And that's causing an imbalance in your nervous system or your physiology that you're experiencing as anxiety or poor sleep or digestive issues. The really, the list goes on. So it's kind of coming back to that root cause, which is perhaps dysfunctional breathing.
0: And I guess to your point, like, what does it hurt to learn how to breathe better, even if that's not necessarily the root cause, but maybe a side effect or something else that's going on in addition to whatever you're experiencing. But few people are taught to breathe maybe unless you're an athlete or in some sort of physical performance endeavor. And so just learning how to do it better, especially I would guess too, with all the sitting and computer time and screen time that happens a lot. I can also imagine Campbell from your background as a physiotherapist, that poor posture also probably impacts how you breathe.
1: Hugely. And and I love that you said that because it brings up a really good point. And we've spoken a lot or we've focused a lot kind of on the dysfunctional side of things, but I work with a lot of people that just want to improve their performance, right? Whether that's creativity, focus, drive, motivation. So it's not always about kind of fixing a problem. It can just be like, well, how do I do this thing better? Right? How do I use my breath as a tool to optimize the other things in my life that I want to go really well? And, Postures are a really, really big one, right? Even if you don't have a desk job, which a lot of us, even if like we've been forced to work from home, so people are usually sitting, but even without a desk job, right? Whether you drive, you sit down to eat, maybe you watch a little bit of TV later at night, like that position that we fall into when we sit really kind of locks down and closes off access to the diaphragm. And so prolonged sitting makes me more inclined to breathe up into my chest and my shoulders. Or if you've ever had a back injury, if you've ever been pregnant, you've ever had abdominal surgery, right? All of these things can interrupt the natural pattern of my breath. And then days, weeks, months, years go by of using a non-optimal pattern. And that's when we start to see problems arising. So people come sometimes when we retrospectively think back, it's like, oh yeah, my anxiety started a year after I hurt my back or a year after I started that job that required me to sit for 10 hours a day. So we want to kind of be a little bit curious and a bit like a detective as to like, where did the dysfunction arise? And can we tie that into what you're experiencing now? And then what can we apply to create harmony and balance within that system so that the symptoms or sensations dissipate?
0: I love that. And I also love your point about hey, sometimes it's not just about dysfunction, but how do we optimize and how do we do better? You know, I think that can resonate with a lot of people who really are striving for something more in their professional or personal life, especially a lot of people who listen to this podcast are business owners, and often they're striving for some big goals. And that can be stressful, that can be uh, anxiety provoking, that can include sleepless nights. And so thinking about, okay, can I use breath work as a way to better show up in my business or as a way to better achieve my goals I think is a really fascinating idea and maybe connecting thread that someone may not have considered
1: yeah exactly right like think of it kind of like a management tool right because as you just said and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that it is stressful like I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner and I have some sleepless nights and I put too much on my plate sometimes so Instead of thinking, oh, well, the only way I can mitigate this is to do less, right? I don't want to do less. I've got a lot to do. So can I develop a practice and a tool that helps me mitigate the stress that comes with all of the things that are on my plate? So because I think sometimes, right, the easy answer or the easy prescription is like, oh, well, you should not do the thing that stresses you out, (laughs) but tell that to an entrepreneur. Right. Well, I have to. So instead, can we give you a tool? that then allows you to kind of empty that bucket every day so that you uh, have more capacity to deal with the things that are being put on your plate day to day.
0: Beautifully said. So let's talk a little bit about how you work with your clients because I'd love for anyone listening to think about, hey, if I'm interested in working with Campbell, what are some of the ways I could work with him?
1: Yeah, awesome. So I really like to kind of spend a little bit of time with people. Um, Breathwork, if we call it that, is not often a one and done kind of thing. Some people do get pretty vast benefits just from one session, but my intention and my passion is to help people develop a system and a practice that's going to be with them for the rest of their life. So I tend to work with people on about a three-month basis on a one-to-one setting. I actually have my kind of, I guess, signature program called Warrior to Warrior, which has really just developed because I was encountering so many people with anxiety and poor stress management and poor sleep and wanted to develop a program of how do we restore harmony across these multiple systems of the body. So it's really kind of applying the principles of breathing to the nervous system, to stress and resilience, to emotional regulation, to the body and to the mind. And throughout that program, it's really about developing that kind of day-to-day practice, that moment to moment practice, right? As we touched on in the start, to me, that one conscious breath I take when I recognize I'm stressed is breath work, right? It doesn't need to be the 30-minute practice at the end of the day. And it's specifically designed in a way that's accessible to people, right? If I told a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, I want you to do 60 minutes every day, they're just going to laugh at me, yeah. right? But if I tell them, I want you to do five minutes in the morning when you wake up, I want you to take a few conscious breaths when you're recognizing that your breathing pattern's getting a little bit off. And maybe I can do 10 minutes before I go to bed. That's accessible for a lot of people. And what I find is that in that kind of one to two weeks of beginning the practice, the benefits are really palpable. My sleep gets better. I'm less snappy and reactive. My energy is more sustained throughout the day. And again, it comes back to that empowered internal motivation of like, oh, now I want to do more of this. So I really like to work with people on that kind of three month basis. And what I've also more recently been doing is actually training other health Uh, allied health practitioners to Mm. use breathwork in their practice. So I work with a lot of yoga teachers, therapists, other physios, chiropractors, anyone that already, I guess, is within that health and wellness setting that's wanting to use an additional tool or look through an additional lens. Because I truly believe that some variation of quote unquote breathwork can be used for anyone and everyone. Right? I work with eight-year-olds and I work with 80-year-olds. That doesn't mean I use the same principles and same practices, but an understanding of your breath is an invaluable tool to everyone.
0: Wow. So first of all, I will just say I love the name warrior to warrior. I think that's so descriptive and like just helps someone understand: okay, I know what I'm getting out of this. (laughs) right away. (laughs) And I also really love your systematic approach because most things in life aren't one and done. And so helping empower someone over three months to build a system that they can incorporate into their unique life situation, I think is a really beautiful gift.
1: Yeah. And I've just seen like, I thank you on the name. It kind of just came to me one night. I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, that's exactly what I want to do is I want to help people go from that kind of uncertain, not confident, maybe struggling with something to into stepping into that kind of warrior role of confident and trusting in their own body and sure of how they're going to move through the day every day. And the benefits that I've kind of seen working with people is is really kind of pretty amazing. Um, and it, it's often the client that kind of fall into my lap, but I had a string of patients that were recovering from a cancer diagnosis and were so kind of rocked by that. And their whole world was flipped upside down that it was kind of just putting some structure back into what direction do I want to go? Like, how do I want to live today and tomorrow and next week? And it's, it's so rewarding for me to be on the other side, to watch people go from that point of just, I don't know what to do to, I know exactly what to do.
0: I'm a little speechless and trying not to tear up. Um, that's just, (laughs) that's amazing. I mean, I can only imagine, uh, just putting one foot in front of the other is a pretty challenging point for some of those patients at that time in their life. So just having something small, they can start to incorporate back into their life and help them be more present and reduce anxiety and all of the other amazing things you mentioned is just
1: wonderful. Yeah, you just really hit the nail on the head as, as to like why it becomes such a powerful practice. And I often say, right, sometimes when it feels like you can't control anything, the one thing you can control is your breath. And that becomes a really nice little kind of foot in the door as to like, right well, what's the next thing I can control? And then the next thing and the next thing. And it kind of just starts this path and little steps in the right direction is all you need.
0: Yes. And I also think it's really beautiful that you're teaching other practitioners how to have another tool in their belt. I think sometimes in our Western world, we think everything should be solved with a hammer and we only use a hammer. And so to be able to say, Hey, here's a hammer and here's a wrench. Try both. I think is a gift, uh, especially to the patient because sometimes a patient is, you know, just wants help and it doesn't really matter what tool gets them there.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and it really came again, uh, just kind of understanding, like when I dove into this kind of world of breath work, it really transformed the way that I worked with my patients and clients. And my goal of kind of providing that information to other practitioners is not to change the way they treat anyone, but it's just to have more options, right? And and just using kind of physical therapy as an example, right? if a patient comes into me and they're in chronic pain and they're in that chronic fight or flight, they're stressed, they're tense, me putting my hands on and trying to mobilize a joint or stretch a tissue or something is going to be so ineffective because their nervous system is all jacked up and it's in that scared, fearful survival state. If I can get that person to take a couple of directed breaths to drop and relax their shoulders, to calm themselves down internally through their nervous system, through their breath, then I'm going to be so much more effective with my other tools Right. And so it, it's not designed to take away. It's designed to just be this additional thing that's going to make whatever other skill set a practitioner has a little bit more effective because we've all been in a state of stress, right? Let's call it that. And I sometimes like to, to describe what stress can mean to other people, but we all kind of understand being stressed, right? We're not receptive of information. We're not making good decisions. We're not willing and open to certain tools when we're in that heightened straight state of anxiety or stress. So being able to self-regulate and down-regulate and then take on the information or then utilize the tool that's available to me is a really, really wonderful addition to treatment of many, many different things.
0: Absolutely. And I've had the immense pleasure of taking some of your classes through frequency because I was on my or still am, on my own health journey on the back end of COVID and some pretty challenging pulmonary damage. Anyways, I'll just say I found a very similar experience where I wasn't just doing breath work, but it immensely enhanced everything else I was doing on my own kind of healing, healing journey.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I, I've got a little funny quote that I'd like to say breath work is a gateway drug to wellness. Um, and that's just my experience. And and so many people like chime in with, uh, resonate with that. They're like, oh yeah, I started doing breath work, right? And then it made me want to eat better and move better and improve my sleep and improve my relationships. So it's kind of this nice opening of the door as to like, well, what else can I change? That's just going to make me feel better, right? We all have this inherent desire just to feel good and and to feel connected and to feel confident and trusting right? And sometimes the environment or the situation that I'm in makes that a little bit difficult. But again, having this kind of tool that I can always fall back on my breath, right? I can always use my breath to change how I'm feeling, right? If I want to feel a little bit more calm or grounded or centered, I can do that. And then I can reassess what's going on in my life.
0: Beautiful. And I was actually thinking about, but you said it better than I did, like, Breathwork almost feels like an easier entry point than, for example, meditation, which I know a lot of people know they should incorporate at some point into their wellness practice, but can feel quite daunting and yes. misunderstood. But for me, breathwork at least feels a little easier to start with than something like meditation.
1: I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad you brought that up because, like to me, I, I experienced that exact thing that you just said. Right, I was like, I know the benefits of meditation. I should develop a meditation practice. And I've tried (laughs) numerous times, (laughs) right? And I start and I stop and I start and I stop. And then I found breathwork and the state that you fall into post breathwork, I had this like, oh, this is meditation, right? This is what Mm -hmm. I've been trying to do that whole time. I just needed to use a different path to get there, Mm -hmm. right? And so I always explain to people, breathwork is active meditation, right? If you think of most meditative practices, it's a singular point of focus, excluding distractions, right? If that singular point of focus is your breathing, right? It's just a different form of meditation, but you get to that same state of my mind kind of stops. I feel very comfortable and I'm not chasing away my thoughts. They're just not there. So it was a huge tool for me to be like, Oh, instead of struggling to create this practice that I can't seem to do, I'm just going to do a different version of it and get the same benefits.
0: Yeah, that was my experience as well. (laughs) And I think to your point earlier, it can feel daunting to say, let me sit down for 30 minutes and meditate where I can easily say, let me sit down for five minutes and focus on my breathing or 10 minutes.
1: 100%. Exactly. And, And it's like I get met with, oh, I can't meditate so often. And I'm like, great. Have you tried breath work? And they're like, oh, no. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, that was pretty meditative. <laughs> we're like, yeah, like we can create this like version of meditation. Like whether you want to call it meditation, whether you want to call it press work, we're getting you to the same state of slow brain waves and just that kind of sense of presence and awareness.
0: And to that point, you had this really great post uh, on your Instagram uh, earlier. I don't believe it was today, but you talked about basically you can use breathwork to slow things down, but also to speed things up and energize. So you talk about this meditative state, but maybe you could just hit a little bit on that energizing kind of effect and when you might use breathwork in that way.
1: Yeah. I love that you asked that because again, we kind of go down a rabbit hole and most people use breathwork to downregulate and to calm down and to sleep better, but it's just as useful on the other side, right? And that comes back to that idea of the autonomic nervous system. So Certain breathwork practices, particularly our slower, emphasize on the exhale, relaxed forms of breathing, are going to push me more towards that parasympathetic state, which is my kind of calm, relaxed, restorative state. But if I perhaps focus a little bit more on the inhale and I breathe a little bit deeper and a little bit faster and with a little bit more intention then that's going to stimulate the sympathetic branch of the nervous system. And that's my state of alertness. That's my state of readiness, right? And so if people wake up in the morning and they feel like, I just don't want to do today, or I've got an important meeting in the afternoon, or I have that post-lunch crash and I don't want to drink coffee at 3 p.m., right? That's the other side of the coin where it's like, all right, well, you can take a certain type of breath that's going to stimulate the active branch of your nervous system. And the beautiful thing, right, it it takes you 10 breaths or maybe a minute to feel there's that little pick me up, if you will. I kind of came to this by learning the hard way that if I drink coffee after midday, I'm not sleeping until one in the morning. I just have a very slow metabolism of caffeine and I still get a little afternoon crash. So I'm like, all right, well, I can't drink coffee and I need a little pick me up. I'm going to dive into how do I use my breath to create this internal shift in the way I feel? And there's some beautiful practices from pranayama and Sufi breathing techniques that kind of give us that little electric shock and that little energy boost, um, which I invite a lot of people to do because, again, not everyone is trying to calm down and relax, although it's a great tool. Some people like, I need the motivation. I need the energy boost. So how can I use that?
0: And presumably if someone works with you in, for example, Warrior to Warrior, these are tools that you can teach them what type of breathwork to use and when.
1: Exactly right. And something I'm super passionate about, right? Your breath, Lauren, is like your fingerprint. Like it's completely unique to you and it's based on your body and your physiology and your nervous system and your history. So breathwork's not one size fits all. That's something, it's it's a little bit of a point where I sometimes get a bit frustrated where it's like, this technique will make everyone calm down. It's like, well, no, it won't because based on the bio-individuality, right? an individual's nervous system is different to the next, it doesn't make everyone do the same thing. So something I really love to do is to kind of create that individualized protocol, right? Let's find the technique that makes Lauren wake up and let's find the technique that makes Lauren calm down. It's going to be different to the next person. So having that kind of tailored approach really helps. Like Now I have a tool that works for me and my nervous system and I know that it works because we found that tool together.
0: Beautiful. And I think no one wants to be put in a box. So knowing that, hey, I'm not going to put you in the same box. I put all my other patients in. I have some tools that have worked for them, but your unique situation might be a little different, I think is also a comfort because no one likes to feel like it's this uh, one and done model that only works, you know, that should work for everyone, but then doesn't work for me. Right.
1: Exactly, and that's a really big point because people find like a breathwork technique on the internet says this will make you fall asleep, and they do it, and it doesn't work, and they go, "Oh, th- I must be doing it wrong, or there's something wrong with me. This doesn't work." And then that usually makes them like, uh, "Breathwork doesn't work, right?" And when I I actually remember, I taught this workshop with ten people, and I was doing what I was kind of had learned would be a down regulating practice, so. 10 people lay down, do this breathing practice. And I just asked everyone afterwards, who feels more relaxed and more calm? And four people put their hand up. I went, oh, who feels more alert and more energized? And three people put their hand up, right? Oh, that's weird. And who didn't feel like anything happened at all, right? And so I was like, wow, this one pattern that we all did at the same time together, half the people went up, half the people went down and a few people didn't do anything at all. So I was like, there's more variance than we kind of give it credit for. We need to work with the individual to find out, well, what makes you go up and what makes you go down?
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, Campbell, you hinted at this earlier that you you know, are an entrepreneur as well. And I'd just love to hear a little more about your story, about how you came to starting this breathwork business and um, kind of what your path was like.
1: Yeah, I'd lo- I always love to go into this kind of story. So, I mean, I when I graduated from physical therapy school, I went straight into the kind of hospital setting and I worked in the Mm -hmm. acute kind of inpatient. So I worked in neurosurgery wards. I worked in orthopedic wards and I was spending a little bit of time on ICU wards. My job was to go in and really to breathe for the very unwell patients, right? Patients on ventilators or patients that with really quite severe illness, I would go in and do some breathing, do some walking, um, just get that moving. And I had this one patient that we were going in and I was going to take him for a short walk and just the sheer effort of getting out of bed and taking a couple of steps right was just so apparent and he looked at me and just said look when you can't breathe nothing else matters and that did something to my brain right and i just remember there was that little switch that was flipped and that was really the catalyst for me being like he's so right right when you can't breathe nothing else matters and nothing else works because that's your energy that's your life source that's everything And that really just kind of opened the door to me. I was like, I want to explore this further. And it was about that time that I kind of came across the Wim Hof method. Um, I saw this Vice documentary on this Dutch daredevil that did all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. He can hike mountains in the snow and he can regulate his body temperature. I wonder how he does that. And I discovered it was breathing. And so that kind of just sent me down this never-ending rabbit hole that I'm still going down today of the potential of conscious breathing. And and the big part that kind of I don't I no longer work in the kind of inpatient clinical setting because I just noticed this huge divide and this big gap in what I was allowed to do in a clinical setting and what I saw the potential for with these quote unquote esoteric practices, pranayama and yoga, those are the kind of things that we're not allowed to use in the kind of Western medical paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of decided that I want to more explore what's been done for 5,000 years in those traditions of pranayama and see how I can apply that to the modern world, right? This ancient wisdom and this modern application. And that kind of just started for me a real passion of of learning all these different methods out there and techniques. And really what I like to do is distill all these different methods down into their base kind of principles. Because another thing that I'm kind of like, I want to remove the barrier of entry for people to get into something like breathwork. And if you type breathwork into Google, you're going to be met with 50 different methods. And you're like, well, where do I start, right? Mm -hmm. But those 50 different methods are all based on the same principles, right? They're just variations of those principles. So my passion is really to kind of teach the principles that underlie all of these different methods, right? And that comes back to nervous system, physiology, and body. And if you can kind of get a grasp of those things, you can use all of these different methods and you can understand all of these different methods because you understand the source principle, which is your breath. So that kind of took me out of the the more clinical practice. I still do practice as a physical therapist, um, but I've really seen so much benefit and such kind of transformative results that I wanted to develop more of a breath-based protocol, right? And that Worry in a Warrior program is is not just breathing. I, I... introduced lots of different concepts around circadian biology so our lighting environment our food our movement the things that make a human healthy Um, i think we've kind of got a little bit astray from Mm -hmm. the natural innate tendencies of the body and a lot of it is so simple right we've we've we're at this point now especially with the way we manage medical problems that we think complex is better it's not right simple is better But people have this aversion, right? When I say, if I teach you breathing, it's going to fix your problems. They're like, that's way too simple. How how possibly could that fix my problems? Because they think it needs to be some really complex thing that they haven't tried yet. And my mission is to really help people identify that the simple practices, right? Good food, good water, good air, movement, sunlight, good sleep are really the foundations of health. And that's where I'm at today is to really try and spread that word and get people just back on track, right? We all encounter curveballs, and we all have things that kind of knock us off our course a little bit. And my intention is to really help people steer back in the right direction where their body works, their mind works, they're emotionally connected, and they have just kind of this thriving source of energy.
0: And you're giving them the tools to use when the next curveball comes their way right?
1: It, yeah, exactly right. Because that's right. I, I don't know if I can curse on the show, but right. I I just say, it's not if shit hits the fan, it's when shit hits the fan, right? Yeah. And the better you're prepared for when shit hits the fan and the better you can reset, reestablish your foundation and then start moving again, right? It's just like, it, it's not if it like we all have these events in our life, right? So why wait for them to happen and see how you're going to respond Why not practice, right? Why not get good at managing your stress response? Get good at controlling your anxiety so that the next time it's triggered, you're not kind of at the whim of the situation or the environment, you take control of that.
0: Yes, and I think what's so beautiful about your journey is that you have this Western medicine training and background and you're bridging it with all this Ancient medicine and kind of serving as a translator, I guess, or bridging the gap for people and saying, how can we do this in a simple way as possible, make this easy for you and give you the tools you need to get back on track, stay resilient and be prepared when the next curveball comes your way
1: yeah I've never heard of it. the translator I love. like I might have to take that news that as a Go for I'm it. a translator <laughs> but it, it's it's so true, right? Like it's funny when because the last three, maybe five years, breathwork's kind of really growing in popularity and people think, what's this new thing, right? It's five thousand years old. Yeah. It's just there's a new surge of interest and popularity. But I think the really great part about that is with this surge in interest comes the scientific kind of understanding, right? We didn't study pranayama 500 years ago or 100 years ago or 50 years ago because it was considered woo-woo. But now you've got all of these neuroscientists and researchers looking at, well, how does breathing change neurocircuitry and neurophysiology? And how does that relate to stress and fear and anxiety? So now we've got these really actionable steps of like, oh, this type of breathing does this and this type of breathing does this. So we can kind of demystify a little bit some of these really ancient practices. But I'm sometimes hesitant to say that because some of it mm-hmm. is mystical, right? There is a magic right. there that I don't want to strip away and just turn it into this mechanistic thing. There's definitely an element of, of magic, if you will, within breathwork and these kind of practices, but it's melding the science and the art and the science and the magic to give people like, this is what you can do today for the world that we live in today, which is very different to how we evolved. When we look at kind of the nervous system, right? It evolved over the last few hundred thousand years, but the world has changed so dramatically in the last 100 years that it's like, we need new tools to be comfortable in the environment that we're in. And to me, the best tool that I've found is an understanding of the thing that's running my body and how to utilize that and control it for my advantage.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes it's easy to underestimate the impact all these amazing advances in technology have on our health and wellness. Right? Like, I don't. Uh, what kind of stimulation does watching Netflix until midnight, you know, some sort of scary or action-packed movie have on your nervous system, or uh, being on social media all day? I mean, there's things that I think we don't realize have an impact on how we feel and how how we show up every day. And so, being able to have a tool like breathwork to say yes, I'm still involved in these technological advances and I know how to get back to my baseline.
1: hundred percent. Like it, it it brings us back to that same point of like giving, for example, an entrepreneur a tool to mitigate stress, right? It's the exact same concept. Right? I'm not one to say, hey, like I love Netflix, right? The new Ozark series just came out. Yeah, I'm like, oh, sure. I really <laughs> want to watch that. So I'm not going to say I can't participate in modern technology, right? Instead, I'm going to ensure that I have a practice that helps me mitigate that response, right? Mm -hmm. I My business mainly runs through Instagram. I understand that that's a little bit of a a trap for my attention. So I ensure I've got practices that help me kind of push back against that. Because I think people think it's yes or no, it's pro-tech or anti-tech. And it's like, it's here, (laughs) We, mm-hmm. we we have to use it and we can use it to our advantage, but we can also ensure we've got tools and practices that make sure that I stay in that state of balance and I'm in control and that I have kind of some boundaries that I can set to make sure I'm not interrupting my biology.
0: I love that. And so to that point, part of my objective with this podcast is to help other business owners hear from amazing people like you. What's working for someone in a completely different industry in terms of marketing their business? What's going well? I think sometimes just like similar to how you describe breathwork, people fall into the trap of, "Hey, there's only one way to do this." So and so saying, "I need to be on TikTok," and so that's the only way I can market my business, um, but it's not working for me. And I'd just maybe love for you to share a little bit about kind of how you're getting in front of new people and how people are finding you and your business.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it kind of it's interesting that I always see these like what we're seeing with breathwork, we can apply to so many other things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tr- what I'm trying to do in terms of like attention is, is to not spread myself too thin. Right. For a period when I first kind of started offering programs and stuff, I was on LinkedIn and I was on Facebook and I was on Instagram and I was on YouTube and I was trying to spread my self across all of these different media platforms to little effect. And so what I kind of just said is like, what's, where's the avenue that I see the most growth and the most outreach? And that for me was Instagram. I got a lot of good feedback and I I like to write kind of long format posts where I can kind of help people shift their beliefs around what breathwork is and what anxiety is and, and what tools are available. So I kind of pulled myself back from all of these different platforms and put a lot more of my focus into writing good content that I could share on Instagram and And try and get in front of people that way with the message that I'm kind of trying to spread rather than just getting in front of as many people as I can. And I'm now kind of at the point of perhaps moving more into kind of targeted advertising, I guess, to Mm -hmm. get in front of the people that I think will benefit from these tools that I'm offering. Um, so I'm kind of mainly focusing on Instagram and perhaps now moving towards Facebook with some targeted advertising. And I'd, I'd really like my intention at the moment is to, to build a little bit more of a community. Um, And I think I'll probably do that through Facebook groups. But again, a lot of people don't know what breathwork is. So I want to create a community of like people that are interested in learning a little bit more about how it all works so that they can come and and find a space that there's education, there's experience, there's connection. And from there, perhaps people are going to put their hand up and say, I want to learn more. And then I can kind of let them know about the services that I offer.
0: I think what you're doing is really smart and just to break some of that down one getting fat really good at organic content on instagram so that when you or as you are layering paid advertising on top of that sometimes i think people make the mistake of hey if i run ads then business will just come and you can't run ads to bad content content like if people aren't paying attention in your small Network of followers before you run ads, then it doesn't matter whether you put it in front of, you know, 1 million people, you likely aren't going to get great results. So I think your stacking of marketing strategies is really smart. Same thing with the community and an education first approach. As you said, you kind of, or as I said, you're kind of serving as a translator for people and helping someone under better understand breath work means they're ultimately a better client patient customer for you on the back end.
1: Yeah. And and with the like, maybe 12 months ago, I thought I was at the point of like, oh yeah, I'm going to pay an agency to help me with advertising <laughs> and just got literally zero leads from it because yep. who knew yep. where they were targeting and what they were doing. And, and that yeah. kind of stung me a little bit. So I just went back to basics. But now I'm feeling a little bit more confident that my content is good and, and there is engagement there. So perhaps then branching back out into... Seeing as I can use advertising to my advantage, just to grow that audience net a little bit wider and then bring them into what I'm offering.
0: Yeah, I've heard that story <laughs> a lot of times from a lot of different people. And I think sometimes we do learn by, hey, I'm going to give something a try. And then, oh, it didn't work as well as I thought. Let me work on some of the fundamentals and then let me go back and do it again. I imagine very similar to breath work is I'm not going to do a 60 minute breath work session when I don't have. The inhale and exhale mastered first.
1: Exactly right. We got to start with kind of where we're at, and and then build from there. I think it's yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up that kind of example because a lot of people want to teach me the kind of shiny cool tool. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're breathing twenty thousand times a day. What does it matter if you have a fifteen minute practice and you take a hundred good breaths, and then the other nineteen thousand nine hundred breaths are dysfunctional and causing you are more of a hindrance than a help, like let's build the foundation first and then we can introduce these cool shiny tools but i think the the tendency for people is like give me the shiny object i want the cool practice forgetting to recognize that breathing is an autonomic process that happens all day every day and if we fix that we're going to see much more benefit than this specific little conscious practice
0: absolutely and you also have some really interesting um Pieces of your marketing that I noticed, which was, you know, a couple free guides, um, introducing people to breathwork where they're giving them email in exchange for the free sleep guide or the breathwork ebook, as well as this free consult, which I think is a really great way to get to know you and ask questions before taking the next step and signing up for your program.
1: Yeah. And that's something that I've found like pe- again, like how we started this podcast, a lot of people don't recognize that perhaps they have dysfunctional breathing. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for me to kind of have a look at someone and talk to someone and ask them to do a few things. And we can establish, Oh, there's definitely a lot of room for you to make. You've got a lot of potential, right? For improvement. And so my role, my idea with that kind of free breath assessment is just to introduce people to the idea of maybe there is something that I can change about how I'm breathing and that might help with my sleep, anxiety, stress, mood, whatever it might be. Because yeah, I think it's 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 a difficult space to navigate if you don't know where to start. So yes. I like to just kind of connect with people and actually just let them know like, well, this is what I teach, right? It, it's not just about teaching you a fancy little practice. It's really about teaching you to understand how your breath works and what to do about it.
0: And for anyone who's listening, and am wondering, do you do that assessment virtually? Meaning, can you assess someone's breath and how, like, where things are going wrong just over, for example, Zoom?
1: Yes. It was very interesting for me when the pandi- pandemic hit because breathwork very much seems like something you need to do in person. But it, it's adapted so well, right? There's really, really simple protocols or practices we can look at, like, For example, how long can someone hold their breath at rest without trying gives us a great indication of how tolerant they are to carbon dioxide. How many times a minute someone is breathing tells me a lot about the state of their autonomic nervous system, right? Whether I see their shoulders going up and down or I see their diaphragm expanding tells me a lot about their biomechanics. So I think people do have that idea like, oh, well, what good is it if I can't be in person, but we can get a whole lot of information about how someone's breathing all day every day from just spending a little bit of time going through some quite simple exercises and practices
0: and you know not to not to be super lazy but I think people are being pickier about what they leave the house for um, especially as we see surges and in and, and different variants but being able to say hey I can get help from the comfort of my own home I think is just a really beautiful gift to be able to say, Hey, I can work on this. I don't have to leave. Campbell can see what's going on with me and then guide me to for three months over, you know, and help me breathe better, I think is really fabulous.
1: Yeah. And it's a really important point. And what I've found is like, you know, we're most comfortable in our space, right? Instead of having to drive to a studio or a clinic, right? People are in their space, they're comfortable. And, and i found that's a really big benefit that doesn't occur in the in-person setting, that if we want to go through a kind of deeper practice of breathwork, it's like, I don't have to then get up, get in my car and drive home. It's like, I'm in my space. I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. I've got my tea, right? It's it's so much nicer in that way that we don't have to take someone out of where they're comfortable to do this practice.
0: That's wonderful. And I'm sure there's still a time and place for in-person, but being able to have the flexibility of both also allows you to serve a more global audience.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what, that was the uh, other silver lining, I guess, from when the pandemic hit. Like I was, I just moved to New York City and was just building up a bit of consistency with in-person. I was teaching mm-hmm. classes at yoga studios and I had workshops planned. And obviously all of that just shut down in, in an instant. But then all of a sudden the whole internet was accessible, right? I had people joining my classes from Europe and from Australia. And it was like, oh, this is a little bit of a a silver lining as to now I can offer this to a lot more people. And it doesn't matter where you are. Um, It just matters that you have internet connection, that you can get into it that way.
0: I'm smiling over here because I hear you saying it's a silver lining, but I also (laughs) am sure that was very painful. It's hard to establish yourself in a new place as a practitioner of anything. And then to see it all disappear overnight, I feel like is probably a bit of a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a gut punch and and maybe like a time to double down on your breath work practice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I mean, retrospectively, I could look at it as a silver lining yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, Campbell, I super appreciate your time, your expertise. And I have two questions to wrap up this episode, which is first, if you had to give advice to any other business owner who's kind of working on their growth journey, what might that be based on everything you've learned doing all of this?
1: It's a good question. I think from my experience is is really get clear on what your objective is. Whether that's the short term, what am I going to do today? Or whether that's a longer term, like what's my goal for this quarter or this year? And just kind of like then, well, how am I going to achieve that? Because what I found in my experience was like, I'm going to grow my Instagram and I want to get clients here and I want to build out this online program. And I had all of these things. And I, again, I was kind of spreading my attention and my effort across too many bases and it just really wasn't working for me. So I then kind of really pulled back and said, all right, well, my goal for the next month is to finish creating this online course and everything else is additional to that, but I'm going to set my priorities and every day I'm going to try and work towards that target. So I think getting clear in what your objective is and then breaking down the steps to get there. Rather than just having this big picture of all of the things I want to achieve and doing little bits and pieces, spreading your attention wide and thin, just focus on the one thing and move towards that.
0: That is great advice. So if someone's listening to this episode, wants to check out your flagship program, wants to learn more about breathwork, where can they find you online, Campbell?
1: So my socials, Breath Body Therapy on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my website is the same, BreathBodyTherapy.com. Through link in my Instagram, you will have access to that free breath assessment um, or people can reach out via my website. Um, if people have questions, right, it, it's, it's, I'm very passionate about this. And so people like, I wonder, right, this problem that I have, could it be helped? Then just reach out and ask, right? I'm never one to kind of work with people that I don't think I can help. I only take on a couple of clients a month. So I'm very vocal in saying, oh, I don't think this problem can be helped by what I offer, or I completely do, and let's work together. So if people are a little bit curious as to how it works or whether or not diving into their breath can help with the situation they're in, I just encourage them to to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or send me an email and just ask, right? Hey, this is my situation. Do you think you can help? And I'm always happy to jump on a call with people and dive a little bit deeper and see if it is something that I can help with.
0: Wonderful. So all of those links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you, Campbell, for everything you shared today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It was a great and wide-ranging conversation, which I always love.
0: Heck yeah. You just finished another episode of the Marketing That Generates podcast. I hope you found a few takeaways that you can put into action right away. If you want more on today's episode, head over to marketingthatgenerates.com for show notes, links, bonus resources, and related episodes. Plus, if you're looking to connect with other amazing business owners just like you, be sure to join my free community. You can get access at marketingthatgenerates.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you back here next week.